Colossians 2, verses 1 to 15. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." And may God add blessing to the hearing of his word. Thanks be to God. So we are at the end of our journey through the three simple rules. And as I read those words from the Apostle Paul, one of the things that I'm just struck by is the shepherd's heart in what he has said in that introduction. He has a pastor's heart. He's tenderly and sweetly speaking of his devotion to his flock, even while he's absent from them. He's urging them to stay in love with God as known through Christ. And I hope in the same way you've heard the tender, loving shepherding that I've tried to give through this series of messages. I know that some of the things that I've had to share with you about doing no harm, doing good, and staying in love with God have been hard to hear. Perhaps it's even felt like some sort of judgment. And I promise you that this is all given with the tender love of the shepherd for the Lord's flock. Nevertheless, the idea behind sharing these three simple rules with you has been that we might have certain rules of conduct that we could live by together as we make our way through this life of Christ. And so, it gives me pleasure now to get to the part that is the most enjoyable in some ways of the three, staying in love with God. Now, when Wesley speaks of staying in love with God, 
he immediately makes me think of the work that goes into staying in love with anyone. Now, husbands and wives who have been together for a long time will tell you that staying in love is, uh, staying in a healthy marriage is work. And it's hard work. And I've said that to people myself. And what I found is, is that the young people who are deeply infatuated with each other will look at you and go, oh, if it's work, it's not love. Well, you veteran couples out there know as well as I do, it's work. It is work. In fact, it is a hard thing to maintain healthy relationships with anyone over long periods of time. And a lot of times those young lovers stop short of doing the work necessary to make the lifelong commitment that those relationships will require. And it's too bad, really, because it probably stems from a reality that life together is about growing together and changing together. Now, we all know couples that have managed to stay the course and remain married for many, many years, but they don't seem to like each other very much. And what I've discovered is, is that they have this sort of symbiotic relationship where they're just kind of dependent on each other and there's a balance that sort of occurs. There's a tension that I would liken to like the tension that holds up a suspension bridge. You know, if the two sides of the suspension bridge aren't pulling on each other, the bridge would collapse. This is what you might call codependency. And so what this says to me is, is that lifelong relationships are hard work, but staying in love is even harder. Now, we all know people that we find difficult to love. And frankly, it has to do with personalities. We just have conflicting personality traits and conflicting values. And generally, we just try to avoid relationships with people like that if we can. And so we're really not talking about that kind of staying in love. That's more like the commandment to love your enemies. Requires a lot of work, requires a lot of discipline, but it's a different kind of relationship that we're talking about. And yet, once again, we all know couples who seem to be really good at loving each other if it means like loving your enemies. And there's a tolerance there. But what we're really talking about when we talk about staying in love is the kind of love and passion that you put into things that you care deeply about. A gardener fertilizes and weeds and carefully maintains the flower beds and the vegetable gardens. And it's a discipline that they do, a work that they do because of their love for this garden and the act of gardening. And so you might look at a well-maintained garden and say, wow, that's a lot of work. But then again, it's not exactly work that you dislike. It's work that gives you a satisfaction. In fact, it's work that produces fruit that either gives you joy and happiness or gives you literal fruit and food for your table. And so you don't think anything of the amount of work it takes to maintain something that you care deeply about. There are probably some folks here who have a car or a motorcycle or a lawnmower or something that they're, I had to talk about the guys too. 
probably this machine or thing that you have, boat perhaps, that you're particularly passionate about and you can be seen working very hard to keep it nice because you care deeply about it. So the question then is, how do we stay in love if we're not as deeply committed to our relationships with each other as we are to things like our gardens? And what does it mean to stay in love anyway? I mean, is it like being on a perpetual honeymoon? Or what if we have this fear that if we get routine in our relationship that somehow the fire's going out, you know? Uh, these are the kind of questions that are best answered by looking at those couples that have really done it well. Those couples that have been married a long time and are clearly still in love with each other. And what I noticed is, is that we see an ongoing conversation. We see uh, that there is a ever-present curiosity about the other person, an alertness to how they're changing with the years. And the understanding is, is that if we're growing together, then we're changing together. And so there's always something new to discover about this person that you're in love with. You know, I remember not too long ago, I was sitting in my chair and my beautiful bride, Laura, came behind me and she bent down and kissed me on the back of the head, right in the middle of my bald spot. And, and I, really, I really thought about that for a second because, because I could feel it differently. Like, like, you know, when she kissed my head back there, I thought, wow, I can really feel that. And that's because there's no hair there anymore. And, and then I started thinking about how I used to have a head full of curly hair when we got married. And, and I thought, oh, I'm so glad she still wants to kiss me because I certainly don't look like I did when we got married anymore. I've gotten balder and older and maybe a little chubbier. And then it dawned on me that when she kisses the back of my head, she's sort of acknowledging that she still loves me even with the bald spot. And, and then it really dawned on me that just as my changing hairline has given her a new place to kiss, so has our relationship changed over the years. And what, what we used to joke about when we were young, about growing old together and everything, it's not something that we were going to arrive at. It was actually something that was going on all along. We've been growing old together since we started living together, since we started sharing all of life's adventures together. And so even as we've matured and changed over the years, we've done it together and there's this never ending supply of new things to know about each other and new ways to enjoy each other's company. And so I think that staying in love is a little bit about romance because the romance never goes away, but the honeymoons end. You just can't stay in a perpetual state of bliss where life is kept at a distance and you never really deal with the realities that are what you got married to deal with anyway. You know, 
since I've been married, we've been through a lot together. And what I found is, is that when we were fixing things together, remodeling together, when we were dealing with the children's different aspects of their lives, you know, I can remember, you know, like in the middle of the night waking up because the child was crying and we'd be praying over them and, and trying to help them because they were having a fever or something, you know, and, and we did all this together. And, and then when the children with spina bifida came along and, and the whole world just seemed to drop out from underneath us, you know, together we were fine. We just supported each other and learned together. And so we, we really discovered that, that the love that makes these relationships, lifelong love affairs, is often best expressed in the way that we solve problems together, in the way that we live life together, when the babies are born, when the urgent prayers are said, when there's a crisis, when the family and the extended family has to come alongside us because we need each other, when we find ourselves in those kinds of relationships, we realize that a lifelong love is complex and beautiful. Now, when we talk about staying in love with God, are we not really talking about the same thing? Isn't it basically more of a relationship for a lifetime that we're after in our staying in love with God. John Wesley urged his flocks to attend to all the ordinances of God, which was later simplified to stay in love with God. He even described them as uh, certain things you should do, like uh, you should always be involved in public worship, the ministry of the word, read or expounded, the supper of the Lord, Holy Communion family and private prayer, searching the scriptures, fasting and abstinence. And if you consider what he was saying to do in light of what we've just talked about, maybe what he's really saying is, is that when you stay in love with God, you're attending to the practicalities of the relationship. And it is in those practicalities that the real journey of life with God happens. You know, everything I just said about maintaining a healthy relationship like marriage for the long haul could be said pretty plainly about having a healthy relationship with God through Christ. You know, a lot of Christians have vivid memories of that day when they became a Christian and they were in that temporary sort of euphoria like the honeymoon where they were just filled with the bliss of this this newfound joy of becoming a Christian and being a Christian. And I've talked to a lot of those people when it started to wear off and they expressed their deep anxiety and fear that this meant that there was no longer the same passion for Christ that once existed. And maybe this is when Christ comes alongside them and says, now we can get down to the business of being in a relationship together. The honeymoon's over, now let's get busy with being in a relationship together. In the same way that you find deeper intimacy and discovery with a person you live with for a long, long time, you could find a deeper intimacy with God through Christ and the Spirit in this lifelong journey of discovery. 
you know, how do you get to know God in a better way that leads to a deeper understanding of God's personality? Well, probably the best way is read your Bible. Study it with other believers. Listen to the word professed and proclaimed by God's anointed and authorized people so that you can hear God speaking to you. A lot of church attenders just don't invest in that relationship. They go to church, they invest in the social parts of religion and church activity, they spend a lot of time congratulating themselves for giving generously to the church and participating in Sunday worship regularly, and all of that's great, but that's kind of like maintaining one of those relationships we talked about earlier where they live together, but they don't seem to like each other very much. Where there's a tension that supports the structure, but it doesn't really work without the tension. I find that a lot of those people have a fear of the Lord and they like to talk about God in those terms. So what do we do about that? Well, coming back to that reading that we had earlier from Colossians. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So what Paul's focusing on there is, is not how you got into the relationship with Christ, but the Christ you got into a relationship with. And what he's speaking of when he talks about those worldly philosophies and things is, is basically people who were trying to diminish the importance of Christ in the relationship. In other words, even in the days of the Apostle Paul, there were people who were encouraging church participation, but not particularly encouraging a healthy relationship with the creator of the church, Christ Jesus. In effect, what they were saying was, you don't really have to be entirely devoted to your spouse in order to have a healthy marriage. In fact, you can just go about your business and do whatever it is you want to do, and as long as people know you're married, it's fine, and you know, that's a little bit like saying Jesus can stay at home and we won't bother Jesus unless we need him and we won't talk with Jesus unless we need him but we hope he's got supper on the table when we come home tonight you know so Paul was saying no attend to the relationship Bereavement researchers have discovered that when a person says after the death of a loved one, I feel like a part of me has died, it's really true. And they base this research on the fact that when you join in a lifelong relationship with somebody, you share information. You take responsibility for certain aspects of your life together, and therefore the other person doesn't have to. In other words, I remember certain things so my wife doesn't have to. And she knows certain things so I don't have to. And there's a long 
period there where a lot of information and experience and memories and parenting techniques, for example, you know, when they say, go talk to your mother about that, <laughs> go see your father. And, and all of these divided responsibilities make us one as a couple. And when that person dies on one side of that relationship, every part of your being that was imparted to them dies with them. And so the researchers have discovered that you really have lost a part of yourself because you gave it to this other person to care for. What if it was like that in your relationship with Christ? What if, oh, I don't know, like the apostle said in the Acts of the Apostles, in him we live and move and have our being. What kind of relationship would that be? And here's the best part. It never dies. There's a relationship that being on one side of heaven or the other won't change. Wesley's right. We need to stay in love with God. The Apostle Paul is right. He's best known through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, as we've considered these three simple rules, it has been my hope then that you would see that we're really trying to come alongside God in a way like the psalmist says when he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. In his book that this series is loosely based on, Reuben Job, uh, Job, the author of The Three Simple Rules, A Wesleyan Way of Living, ends the book this way. The rules are simple, but the way is not easy. Only those with great courage will attempt it, and only those with great faith will be able to walk this exciting and demanding way. There are many other options for us to choose, but they are all lesser options and lead to less or results that range from bad to disastrous. I found a typo in my writing. The question from Jesus continues for each of us, my daughter, my son, do you love me? And of course, there is only one answer that we want to give. Yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then the next question becomes, are we ready to choose the costly way that involves these three simple rules as our way of living? Job says, I believe many are ready to make that high and holy choice today, and I shall always pray that I, every time they review the pages of this book, that it'll make that choice new every morning. And therefore, I want to conclude this message with Reuben Job's prayer that he asks us to pray each day out of his little book. Let us pray. Loving teacher, come and make your home in our hearts this day. Dwell within us all day long and save us from error or foolish ways. Teach us today to do no harm, to do good, and assist us so that we may stay in a loving relationship with you and our neighbor. Help us today to be the answer to another's prayer so that we may be one of your signs of hope in a world that you deeply love. Amen.